0: How do we react when we're criticized or shamefully treated? How should we react? Pastor Ed Taylor suggests following David's example. David committed himself totally to God. His eyes were heavenward, not outward.
1: He saw God before he saw the rocks. And when people are criticizing you, it's not going to, that it's not going to destroy you, but God is going to use it to develop you even though you might feel like, man, what if people believe that? Well, I don't, it's not gonna destroy you. It's gonna make you stronger. The greatest way to deal with criticism is to remember your God and continue to live your life pleasing God. Because you know what the Bible says, if your ways please the Lord, man, he can make even your enemies be at
0: peace with you. This is amazing grace. you ever been on the receiving end of some criticism? We've all been there. That can be a hard pill to swallow, and the natural tendency is to lash back in anger. But today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that retaliation is not the route to take. Pastor Ed Tater will recall a period in King David's life where he would face unfair criticism, a rock thrower. Would he repay evil for evil? Let's find out by turning to 2 Samuel 16. We begin at verse 10. And the king said,
1: What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all of his servants, See how my son who came from my own body seeks my life? How much more now may this Benjamite. Let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. And it may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction, and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed him as he went, threw stones at him, and kicked up the dust. And now the king and all the people who were with him became weary, and so they refreshed themselves there. You look at this and you think, man, this is kind of rooted in the Old Testament. You get this picture of a dusty road, and you wonder if this even happens today. Do people still follow along cursing and criticizing? Yes or no? They just do it differently, don't they? something called Facebook, blogs, where you might even be on the other end of something right now where people just aren't letting up on you. Just keep throwing stones at you. Maybe it's in a little more personal thing where you're, it's a family situation, so you show up at the family reunion and you just, you just know it's coming. You just know it's coming. Somebody's going to show up and they seem to be following you or trouble seems to follow you. This, is, this isn't just an Old Testament thousands of years ago scenario. This is life. These are real people. We're reading of their life so that we can learn how that applies to our lives today. So that our eyes might be pointed to the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and his finished work in our lives. That with the forgiveness of your sins comes the empowerment to live a life that pleases God. It gives you the power to deal with liars in your life. It gives you the power to deal with criticism. It gives you the power to deal with people that are cursing you and misunderstanding you and throwing rocks at you. And they don't just throw rocks at you and say goodbye. They will go with you. And they're throwing rocks with, against you along the road. And then they hear no doubt within earshot, Abishai getting up. I'm going to let me take his head off. And they watch David say, don't do it. Let him do it. And so they're emboldened to do more and to do more. And you say, what's my response to be? Because some of you don't like David's response. Some of you cutting heads off is just fine with you. Once again, a human emotion, isn't it? Who really wants to submit themselves to pain the rest of their lives? especially if the situation can be taken into your own hands. I mean, for goodness sake, if you haven't thought that, one day you might. It's a normal response. It's so normal and natural that Jesus comes on the scene with counsel and direction that's so abnormal to the human heart. He says, you know those enemies? Love them. The ones that are cursing and persecuting, do good to them. And you just shake your head and go, man, Lord, Your kingdom is so different than my kingdom. Your world is so different. And I long for your kingdom rule in my heart. Because ultimately you realize, especially as a believer, a follower of Jesus, you realize that retaliation solves nothing. It just makes things worse. Pain responded with pain is only going to bring more pain. There's no channel open for the Holy Spirit to work. David is giving us a picture of he becomes a type of Jesus Christ here as he Jesus is hanging on the cross he says father forgive them they don't know what they're doing David was a man of integrity even though he was also a man of fault You remember when David had the opportunity to take Saul out and was encouraged to do so his answer was this in 1 Samuel chapter 26 verse 11 The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but please now take the spear and the jug of water that's by his head and let's get out of here. Let's take something that proves that we were here and shows our integrity, but I'm not taking him out. That's not my place. He belongs to God. And you know, in our lives, in the condition of what you may have in relying upon the Lord through great difficulty when it comes to people, when it comes to criticism, how do you handle the sting of criticism, because it does sting. In a very real way, it did sting David. If, if Shimei hit him with a couple rocks, it doesn't say it, but it, if all this time he's throwing rocks, he's got to at least hit, land a couple of them. Uh, or some of his guys, you know, it's a sting criticism. It's a sting uh, to be cursed, or cursed against, or gossiped about, or slandered. And we go, well, okay, what's the answer today? Well, it's very similar. We have insight here. If you're taking notes, number one, David He shows us how to handle it. Number one, he remembered his God. That's in verse 10. When faced with great difficulty with another person, he remembered his God. David knew that God was the God of all things, not some things. He trusted God with all of his life, not with some of his life. And he realized and appreciated a doctrine that's known as the sovereignty of God. In a very simple way, the idea of the sovereignty of God is that God is God and you are not. He's the creator and the sustainer of our world. We answer to God. He is in control. And he allows and prevents what he allows and prevents in our lives. And David trusted God with his life. David committed himself totally to God. His eyes were heavenward, not outward. He saw God before he saw the rocks. And when people are criticizing you, it's not going to, that it's not going to destroy you, but God is going to use it to develop you even though you might feel like, man, what if people believe that? Well, I don't know. It's not going to destroy you. It's going to make you stronger. The greatest way to deal with criticism is to remember your God and continue to live your life pleasing God. Because you know what the Bible says, if your ways please the Lord, man, he can make even your enemies be at peace with you. Number one, David remembered his God. Notice it says, what do I have to to do with you guys? Look, if God has said to him, cursed David. He might have come from the Lord, whether God said to him or God allowed it. To, in this case, David saw it as God told him to do this. It was for David. Number two, not only did he remember his God, number two, he remembered his weaknesses. He remembered his weaknesses. That's in verse 11. David said, look, look at my son who came from my own body, seeks my life. How much more than this Benjamite? Let him alone, let him curse, because the God has ordered him. He, he remembered his weaknesses. David's life was an example, and he reminded everyone why they're on the run. Why they're on the run. You know, when he says this, when he says in verse 11, you know, my own son's seeking my life, that's no small statement there. Because what he's admitting is his failure as a dad. Part of the reason why Absalom was after him is because how he messed up the whole situation when Abs- with Absalom and his daughter and the rape and the murder. Like, when he says, my own son's coming after me, he did, he's not saying some guy's coming after me. He's not saying some foreigner's coming after me. He says, you guys know why we're on the run. That's my son. I'm in this condition because of my son. I'm, a, I'm not a perfect man. And he reminds him of Absalom's rebellion and how God has allowed it all. And he admits his own mistakes here in a very subtle way. He speaks of, and that, that's where humility flows through our lives, where we're just honest about our lives. We're genuine and sincere. It, it, they say in the studies today that this new millennial generation, you know, this generation from about 18 to 25, you know, the numbers change, but this real young, younger generation that my, my kids are in right now, that they really value genuineness sincerity, and authenticity, which I think is wonderful because that's, that's a perfect platform for the gospel to, to approach. But it's kind of sad that our society has gotten to the place where it's hard to find genuine, authentic, and real people. And the way that you and I are genuine and authentic is we don't need to make it up. We don't need to study. Don't go down and to Amazon and get a Kindle book on how to be the most genuine person that, uh, listen, I'll make it very easy for you, especially as believers. You just walk in the Spirit. And as a result of that, you just tell the truth. That's what David's doing here. He just tell the truth. I don't want anybody's head cut off because part of the problem is me. That's what he's saying here. I don't want any, if I didn't, if this whole thing, and you could say, if this whole thing didn't happen, if it wasn't my big mistake, I would have never given this chan, this guy a chance to come after me. Man, he remembered his weaknesses. Thirdly, not only did he remember his God and his weaknesses, but thirdly, he remembered he has a future. He didn't forget in the press, the pressure and the stress of this whole scenario in his life that he has a future. It may be, verse 12, it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me good. It just may be. There is a future after this. It just might be that God's going to use this us in a great way. Have you looked at your trial that way lately? Have you looked at your interpersonal difficulty? Have you just voiced that out of your lips? It might just be that when we get out of this, God will bless us for our good decisions while we were in it. That's a pretty powerful thing to think about. He tells his group and he speaks to himself. We have a future, boys. We have a future. And it just might be if we do the right thing here, that God will bless that. And that's one of the things I share with the team here all the time. It was just today the topic came up in some discipleship with the staff, with the uh, pastors here. And, and, and I just reiterated in my, in, in my heart and, and reiterated for us as a church that we need to be very careful in our decisions to do the things that God blesses and not to do the things that God doesn't bless. I know it sounds simple enough, and you're like, what are you telling pastors that for? Because we all need to be reminded. David's doing that here. He's an old man. He's an older man here. And, and what that means is we don't cut corners. We don't, we're not deceptive. We don't do things because we have the ability to, to make choices that, that, and maybe nobody would know, but, but I would know, and the Lord would know if I was deceptive. God doesn't bless deception. That will bring a ministry to a screeching halt that will bring your life to a screeching halt. And you can be a church gathered. We know this to be a fact. You can be a church gathered, and you can have people come together, and we can worship the Lord with our hands lifted up, and and we can laugh together, and we can cry together, we can study the Bible together, and the Spirit of God won't be here. We know that's true because Jesus warned the churches in Revelation. You guys think you got it all together, but you don't understand how miserable, naked, and blind you are. He was talking to a church like ours. Not that we have that condemnation on us, but I, praise, but I pray that we don't. But we got to do the right thing, even in the trial. You've got to do the right thing. Got, you got, you don't, another way that I see this, uh, another piece of counsel that I'll often give to some is that someone's sin against you does not give you permission to sin against them. You, you don't have some self-justification that they hurt me so bad, so I'm going to hurt them even, that that's not from the Lord and he remembered his future. He remembered that if he stayed on course, and he kept his eyes on the Lord, it could just be that God would bless them after the rock stopped. Because another thing you need to learn to do with criticism, another thing you need to learn to do with those that are gossiping, another thing you just need to outlive them. And what I mean by that is not necessarily in age, but in testimony. Because there'll be a weight in scales where maybe people believe in the very beginning but over time your life outweighs the criticism you just got to outlive them or as the council once gave to me as a pastor i thought it was amazing it was life-changing and life-affirming in my life uh, as i was speaking to a pastor about some things he was going through and just kind of sharing you know some of the things i was going through and he said well ed this is what you got to do you just got to out preach them and what he meant by that was you just got to keep doing what God's called you to do. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your life clean. Just keep moving forward because people, if you, if you get distracted, people get hurt. But you keep your eyes on the Lord. I thought, man, that was just a great simple way to put it. That's what David's doing here. Hey, maybe the Lord's going to use this. I think he's going to use it. I know he's going to use it. He doesn't take matters in his own hands because God won't bless a sinful response. So therefore, the application for us is we will not take things in our own hands because God will not bless our sinful response. We won't take matters in our own hands because God won't bless our sinful responses. That's not the pathway of reconciliation, not the pathway of hope. Number four, we're looking at how to deal with difficulties with people, criticism and rock throwers and such. Number 1, he remembered his God. Number 2, he remembered his weaknesses. Number 3, he remembered he has a future. Number 4, he moved on. He moved on. It says right there in verse 13, so David and his men went along the road. He moved on. How many things will how many things will get better if we just keep moving forward? Just keep living life. Or the opposite of that is how much life has been lost because of the situation and nobody moved, you didn't move forward. Got to move forward. Got to take the next step. You got to walk in the strength of the Lord. When you have no strength, God is your strength. And when you do have strength, God is your strength. His men moved on. Shammai didn't quit. Don't misunderstand me. You're taking all these steps. You go, okay, when's it going to end? I don't know. When he runs out of rocks, I guess. I don't know. I don't know, but he's running along getting new rocks. If you go to Israel with us, you will see that there is not a lack of rocks anywhere, anywhere in that country of any size. So he's not running out of rocks. And you would think, because we think this way. We've been ingrained this way. This is how we've been raised, especially in our culture years ago, in our, the morality of our culture. You do good, you get rewarded. You do bad, you get punished. That, that is a general sense. But that's not always the way of the Lord. When you do good, you may not be immediately rewarded. It may be a heavenly reward. You, may get re- you and I might be, re- we might do good and be rewarded evil for our good because of the sin in our lives. And he moved on, even though Shimei followed him. The temptation is always there just to respond and fight back and get all stirred up, and David moved on. Shimei's not just throwing rocks. He's not just cursing. He's also noticed, it says in verse 13, he's throwing dust up in the air kicking it up in the air. This is significant because in that day, it was the same thing as telling David, I'm not just, I don't just hate you. You're not just a bloodthirsty man. I don't just want to see you uh, hurt. I just don't want to bug you. I just don't want to be a miserable, make your life miserable. This is the equivalent of saying, I wish you were dead and buried. Now, not many of you have experienced this, but I'm sure some of you have, where somebody has been so mean to you that they looked you in the eye and said, I wish you were dead and you know the pain that comes from such words. John Corson writes in his commentary, and I quote, This is almost always what happens. You start throwing stones at someone, and you'll eventually wish he were dead. And that's why we're not to give place to unforgiveness, bitterness, or a critical spirit, because those things will destroy us. Finally, in David's response, we see not only did he remember his God, not only did he remember his own weaknesses, He also remembered he had a future, number three, and he also moved forward and moved on. And finally, in verse 14, he was tired. (laughs) You're like, what kind of response is that? The natural one. I'm glad it was included. I'm glad it doesn't all tie up together. And, you know, Shimei stopped throwing rocks and said, I'm so sorry. And they hugged and they cried. And then they, I'm glad that, that that isn't included in this, in this sense, because for this scene in David's life, it really speaks to the reality of the situation. When these things happen to you, it wears you out. This isn't some tied up 3.5 point, point Bible study that's going to solve everything in your life. No Bible study is going to do that. Don't let anybody on TV or somebody come to you, this three, this is it, just smile and say it's all great. That's a lie. When you're on the other end of this kind of stuff, it is tiring. It'll wear you out. And I'm glad he mentions it here. Because I do believe that the, the weariness here does have some specific, you know, specifically tied to their traveling and to all the craziness of the time. That makes sense. If you would walking and running away and having all, they're tired because of the travel, for sure. However, I also believe that the added stress of the situation had a lot to do with it too. And we can't minimize the danger of stress in our lives. We've looked at that in other Bible studies as a church. Uh, the, the physical, emotional, spiritual dangers of stress and what it does to our bodies and what it does to our minds and what it does to us. And he was tired, and we get tired. But we have the privilege of looking into Jesus' face. We have the privilege of a relationship with the living God. David, he had a relationship with God, but it wasn't like yours and mine. He did not have the Spirit of God living in him. He did not have the Spirit of God dwelling in him. He did not have the Spirit of God empowering him in the way that you and I do, that we have an abiding presence as we're learning in our weekend services. We have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit that was sent by Jesus and a fulfillment to his promise not to leave us orphans. Abiding presence. Uh, let me show you what I mean. It's just a little nuance, but it's a significant one. Notice in Psalm 37. It's not like David was alone and it's not like David was, was left an orphan. He wasn't. But he doesn't ha- didn't have the benefits that you and I have by believing in Messiah and being born, born again. So here's what David writes. And I don't know about you, but this happens to be one of the Psalms in my Bible that has quite a few notes written next to them. And notice how he opens. He says, do not fret because of evildoers. Come on, David, you don't even know what you're talking about. How could you tell us? And you can hear David, oh, you know, just turn back to 2 Samuel, would you? I don't want to argue with you right now. I know what I'm talking about. Don't fret because of evildoers. Don't let your friends cut their heads off. Don't take things into your own hands. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be envious of workers of iniquity because they'll soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. That's the reality of what we just
0: studied. I trust God. He'll take care of them. We've been learning how to deal with the difficult people in our lives today on Abounding Grace. It's part of Ed Taylor's study of 2 Samuel. And Pastor Ed, as you were talking about how we're to handle criticism, I couldn't help but think of the large volume of criticism that takes place on the Internet today. Do you have some thoughts about that? Maybe some suggestions before we hit send or respond to that sort of thing? Yeah, Larry, I would
1: suggest you don't write it. I would suggest you don't send it. I mean, if you want to backwards from what you said, um, response, most of it doesn't require a response, even though you have an emotional Uh, response to it. It doesn't need to be posted. It doesn't need to be written. Maybe you can choose to write these things in a personal journal instead. If you really have to get it out, you can write it in a personal journal instead, like a prayer journal. I was thinking recently, my wife Marie was using this phrase for a long time, but I recently used it where she described Lot uh, as being vexed living in Sodom. And I felt that way recently. I, I mentioned to someone that I was feeling vexed living in Sodom. And, and you know, Sodom isn't limited to the United States of America. The world is given over to sin. The world is under the sway of the wicked one. The world is filled with Antichrist. We're in this little part of the world, and certainly we're being vexed. But me being critical, me having an answer to everything, me flipping out on social media isn't going to progress the gospel. Stop, pray, and ask God for wisdom and be one less critic out there. And one more gospel-loving, gospel-sharing, gospel-living believer. I know
0: God will bless that. Friend, if today's message is just what you needed to hear, perhaps you'd like to hear it again. It's easy to do at AboundingGraceRadio.com. The message is called Handling the Sting of Criticism. And we also offer an app, too. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. In Hebrews, we read that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So to say faith is important would be an understatement. It's the key to a successful Christian life. But what is faith? Where does it come from? How does it work? What does it accomplish? Those questions and more are uncovered in a book we'd like to recommend to you by Chuck Smith. It's titled, Faith. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of Faith. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE and we can help you with that. That number again, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order the book through our online store at calvaryco.store. Please also remember, it's your financial support that helps us continue Abounding Grace on this station and many others like it. We're constantly hearing great reports of what God is doing in our listeners' lives, and your support helps to make that possible. So, thank you. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, glad you've taken time out to study the Word with us. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow for Abounding Grace when we'll continue our series in 2 Samuel. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado and online at AboundingGraceradio.com.